The truth of what's going on in this country right now is we are facing a twin crisis, two crises at the same time in terms of health. We have the pandemic, of course, but at the same time, we are seeing a crisis in terms of drug overdoses, opioid overdoses. British Columbia has just uh, announced some new results that say that it has the second highest death count from opio- from overdoses on record. That's uh, details coming in or stats coming in from July. The situation in Ontario is not much better. And the push now for decriminalization of drugs is really gaining momentum. Vancouver is waiting for the federal government to weigh in. It appears Toronto is about to add its voice and also adding its voice to the push for decriminalization is CAMH. Center for Addiction and Mental Health. It is the country's largest mental health teaching hospital. And on the line, Dr. Leslie Buckley, Chief of the Addiction Center at CAMH. Welcome to the program, Doctor. Hi, Alan. Thank you so much uh, for having me and for uh, you know highlighting this issue. Can we just start with a definition of what do we mean when we say uh, drug decriminalization? Sure. So, you know, what we're supporting um, is that that we consider and support models of decriminalization that shift the simple possession of substances away from a legal framework. So that that approach has been ineffective and results in social harms and disproportionately affects racialized communities. Um, What we want to do is shift to a health lens, focusing on how to keep people well rather than um, uh, giving them charges for their substance use. So I think for a lot of people, there's still the misconception that what you're talking about is the legalization of hard drugs. Right. So they are different. Decriminalization and and legalization are are different in that decriminalization um, would not involve sort of the legalization and and selling and regulation of substances. So this would remove the police in terms of enforcement for small amounts. Uh, What does that do um, for the user, for the person that is trying to get off drugs? So one of the, you know, important pieces here is that it, it reduces stigma and it, and it reduces fear, you know, in terms of people being um, afraid, having to hide. Um, something we, we really want people to um, do is not use alone. That, that's such a, a key part of keeping people alive during this opioid crisis. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Um, and the, the other piece of what we're talking about with our statement is um, making this a call to action. So decriminalization is is a small part, and in in some ways, it's already been happening over the last year. There there have been you know huge reductions in the the charges that have been laid. What we at CAMH really want to see is is also changes. So we are worried with what we're seeing, and the the harms from substance use are are so high. And it's not just opioids. You know, it's almost every substance that that can be used is we're seeing increases in. And it's you know it's not your parents' substances. These are you know so debilitating and, um, you know, people who, who have someone they love that's suffering from a substance issue just just knows, you know, how, how profound um, this the impact can be. We have talked a lot about the increase in toxicity and the um, illicit drug supply in this program. Can you, can you highlight some of the trends and problems that you're seeing? So, you know, straight from the front lines, just today, conversations I had with people, you know, who provide care for people where they're living um, in supportive housing, you know, we're talking about just, you know, we've known that benzodiazepines are, 
are in the fentanyl supply. Um, and then, you know, today, again, this conversation about stimulants and how it's becoming more frequent to see stimulants in combination. So that would be like crystal meth in combination with opioids. And we actually saw that in the data um, that came out from the public health report that showed a lot of the overdose deaths now are including more than just opioids. Um, and, and I've also seen in recent reporting um, that, it, that the user base or, or, or the, the demographic is changing as well. Yes, the demographic is changing. You know, one one slight change we saw in the pandemic was more men. Um, you know, that's already a trend for actual opioid deaths, but that increased somewhat. Um, and I think the complexity is really, really changing. So what we used to see with opioid use was, you know, a lot of prescription initiated difficulties. Mm. So OxyContin prescribed and then somebody became dependent. And now we're seeing that more people are really, you know, picking picking up opioids um, more uh, recreationally. And um, the impact of fentanyl, it just is is so harsh. It makes it harder for people to come for treatment. So the traditional treatments that we've used in the addiction system that, you know, 10 years ago when I was working, I felt like I could um, help somebody get well, you know, no matter, everybody. But now I can see that we have holes in our system, that, that some people are too unwell to actually come to see us every day to get their Suboxone or their methadone. And I think we need to be more accessible and we need to um, go out to people and we need more treatment beds. So sometimes somebody's ready to make that change. Um, and then we say, you know, you've got six months wait list for your rehab and you just see, you know, their face kind of go down and, and might not feel like they, they can do it anymore. I'm speaking with Dr. Leslie Buckley of CAMH, uh, CAMH adding its voice to the call for decriminalization of drugs. You mentioned the increase in use of opioids uh, recreationally. There, there will be some who will say a decriminalization will uh, increase usage among some. Can you comment on that? Sure. It's a great point, Alan. And we, you know, that's part of why we really also want to monitor any changes and probably make changes slowly. Because two important factors, you know, that impact substance use are accessibility and, um, and, and normalization. So, you know, when some, somebody perceives something to be more normal and okay and not harmful, they're more likely to try it and continue it. And the same with accessibility. So if they're, you know, if the substance is very accessible, it makes it more likely that, that people will try or continue to use it. So we're very aware of that and really see uh, a need at this time. Again, another call for action is in primary prevention. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's um, something we have to try. We need to be more innovative and, and thinking about ways to, um, you know, reduce use uh, in the first place and be able to... Um, provide people maybe the help that they need before they turn to substance use. So thinking about young people, first of all, you know, we owe it to them to have them have clear information about substances and their harms um, and also help them with anxiety, mood regulation, you know, um, just the challenges of, uh, uh, of development um, and, and provide more access to treatment for them before they get to that stage where they might start self-treating some of their issues with substances. Mm. Dr. Buckley, thank you so much for your time. I, I very much appreciate it today. Thank you so much, Alan. That is Dr. Leslie Buckley, who is with the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH in Toronto, has added its voice to the call for the decriminalization of drugs. We must do something. 
We cannot remain at status quo.